Okay, ta oh, take two. Here we go. Good morning. It's Saturday morning. We were, had the wrong mic going there for a while, so. Uh, but now I think we're we're good to go. All it's right. Saturday the nineteenth of December, and oh, you were saying in the first take that um, you didn't sleep well. No, this is my third night, I think, of waking up at four a.m. And then once I wake up at four a.m., I really don't go back to sleep, which is kind of a bummer. So I've gotten like five or six hours the past few nights, and I really would prefer seven or eight. So um, what time did you wake up, Brian? I woke up at five o'clock. I went to bed at quarter to 11. I have a theory, though. The pro my problem is... What's your problem? Well, I've had a few problems. Um, one is turn is being 50 and having a ever-growing prostate and an ever-shrinking bladder because of the prostate and going to the Does bathroom. Does your prostate really grow? I think so. Do you Does it grow for do you have all? Do you have a prostate? Girls don't have prostates, okay. baby. I ended that. Yeah, I should this check. Is... <laughs> oh my gosh, people. Well, no, I didn't think so, but like you don't have the because then you get. Do you o have ovaries? No, I know I don't have ovaries, but the prostate presses on the bladder as you get older, and that's what makes you go to the bathroom more often. But don't you have to go to the bathroom? But more do often? all men's prostates grow? Is that just something that happens to all men as they I don't age? Know. Maybe somebody could Google it. Okay, yeah, I didn't know. That. I mean, I've heard of that, but I didn't know that was a thing. Uh, so when it, all my men. point, like I go to the toilet um, three times a night. So three times, maybe I two, didn't maybe know one. That. Okay, maybe it's sometimes. So, but I think there's a way. The way I fix that is I drink two j large jugs of water starting at seven a.m. I start and uh -huh. I, I finish by four. Yeah, and I think if I do that, that's fi that's the one fix. The second fix is don't drink co coffee after noon. Yeah, I've done that. And the third Excuse one's me. tougher though. It's like it's having a beer at night. Yeah, no alcohol. But then there's a fourth one I just figured out. I got What's this that? this watch I got. It's like an Apple watch. The one you bought me. It's not an Apple watch, but it's like that, right? It's like a Fitbit, but yeah. a different brand. It monitors your sleep. And yeah. I was just reading. So at work, we talk about being careful of metrics and how you measure people, because when people know they're being watched and measured, their behavior changes. Yeah. And also in in I read about it light waves or i think it's light waves their behavior changes when they're being observed which i don't quite get because how do we know their behavior changes because we're, we're not observing them how do we know what they're doing well maybe there's a maybe there's a camera are you talking about studies that have been yeah, done yeah this, and i don't know i'm not a scientist but there's something where the, the, the behavior of it changes when it's under under observation well, that makes sense. Well, see, to me, it doesn't because then, but when we're, who's observing it? We are. Humans. Well, I mean, to do a study like that, you would have, have to, to probably put in a camera, but not watch it so or that not, no one's well, watching it. I don't them. even know what tools they use, but if they're, if we're not, if we're not watching it, how do we know what it's doing? I have no idea, Brian. But anyway, my point being that, um, I think I, this watch is observing my sleep and I think I'm, my subconscious knows it's being what it's being observed sleeping. And it's sleeping less, is my theory. Maybe. If this was a real podcast, we would have studied all this and figured it out and sounded like experts. But we're not experts. We're yeah. just... So that's my theory. The fourth, another theory is, is I do enjoy looking at it to say, oh, I got six hours sleep and it measures your deep sleep and your light yeah, sleep. Yeah, let me see what my sleep is. It doesn't is. show it on the Ooh, watch itself. I'm glad you brought this up because now I can actually see what I slept. Yeah, I, if you can Where find Where do I it, check it? I've, I don't think you can check it on the watch. Well... We're have to check it on the app. Um, yes. Well, yeah. my app seems to. 
So then, okay, that's sleeping. What Kinda else? Kind um, of suck. Well, now I'm curious about my sleep. How do I find that out, Brian? I'll show you. You do this, and you press the word sleep. Okay. And then you... And then, well, you pull down and it sinks. It's sinking your sleep. Okay. Well, you, did you wear it last night in your sleep? I did. So now I'm going to tell you. You brought it up and you got deep. You started sleeping at 11 p.m. Uh-huh. In a deep sleep. You woke up. Is it is it true you woke up between 11 and 12? Probably. I don't remember. Okay. You had a deep sleep from 12 a.m. for about 45 minutes. And then you had a light sleep. Light blues, light sleep. And then you had a deep sleep at 1 a.m. for. And then you woke up. Do you remember waking up at 2 a.m.? No. 2.30, you woke up at 2.30, seemingly. Oh, my God. Two more deep sleeps, and then you woke up here at 4. Yeah. Is that true? 4.56 a.m. Most of my sleep is light sleep all night. It is, yeah. But that's the problem. That like stinks. That's my concern. Like, are we over-measuring everything? Well, no, this... I actually like this. I find this helpful because this is actually showing me that my sleep is crap. Well, yeah, but I mean, what if you never knew that? But it was crap before I started wearing this watch. But is, is ignorance bliss my... though? What if you don't know? It's, you think it's crap, but you don't know. Now you know it's crap. Do you feel but, worse through the day? Actually, I felt fine. Or, I mean, I was tired. Not yesterday. I wasn't tired yesterday. I was tired the day before. Yeah. But I wasn't tired yesterday at all. I felt great yesterday. Right. So it actually doesn't affect the way I feel during the day. I only got an hour and 25 minutes of deep sleep. But see, it's the question, how much deep sleep do you need? Is is eight need hours, of, is eight hours of deep sleep completely unreasonable? Well, you're not going to be in REM the whole time, but you need more than an hour and 25 minutes. What I would like to say is to the listeners, we have a few. Oh, we have a few. We found out we have a few I, more listeners. Yeah, we Go do. ahead. Well, I just want to finish that thought. Is that uh, maybe if you had thoughts, you could just respond. How did, I don't know. How do you respond? Message us. I mean, we all know you. And then message us, email Bridget Ralph at Hotmail. Or, no, sorry, at SPCGlobal.net. My point is that you probably know things about how they measure light waves or how much deep sleep you really need. And um, our research team went on strike, so maybe you could just do that and let us know. Our research team? That's a joke. Oh, okay. I don't understand the whole light waves thing. That you're either, talking about. I don't either. But okay. it's out there. You could Google it and say observing light waves changing behavior. Neil would know. He's a science guy. Okay. Neil the science guy. Researcher okay, so Neil, guys, get on that. We did we were joking a couple weeks ago that we had two listeners. Yeah. And then but we have a few more. Yeah. So I'm no, gonna are they read like, Are you gonna read their names? I'm just gonna read the comment. Yeah, yeah, I'm gonna say their names. Okay. Well then if you don't want us to say your names next I'm gonna time. give a shout out to Jennifer Hopkins. She says, I've been listening to your podcast on my Saturday morning. I feel like I'm getting to know y'all, and I love it. So thank you, Jennifer, Great. for When's listening. When's your podcast starting then so we can get to know you better? That's right. And then, um, oh, yes, yes, yes. Then let me look up my text here. I'm going to read it from, here we go. So then my friend patty who lives here in my neighborhood she says i'm all caught up on y'all's podcast enjoying it a lot so thank you patty and then my friend sandra has also been listening and she's also been sending us information based on things that we share let me see what she said um So she had listened to one, and then she said she was going to listen to the other one. 
Oh, she said she will listen to it in tonight in bed with a nice, hot, wait for it, cup of hot chocolate. Oh, fun. Who said that again? Sandra. Oh, cool. And so she's... We have two English listeners then. Who's the other English? Neil. Neil Vickers. Neil, Neil Vickers. Neil and Sandra. So, and then Sandra shared with us something about Christmas pudding. Where we talked, we talked about Christmas pudding, didn't we? Uh, we did bring that up because we didn't do it. But the okay, neighbors so did. let me share this from Sandra. Um, the tradition of the Christmas pudding. This is the history of the Christmas pudding. It says Christmas pudding is also known as plum pudding. Christmas pudding is usually made about five weeks before Christmas. The Sunday before Advent Sunday is sometimes known as stir-up Sunday. Oh. And each family member or child in the household gave the pudding a stir and made a wish. The pudding contains a mixture of dried and fresh fruit, nuts, and something else that I can't read that word. The pudding is dark in color and very heavy. It is saturated with brandy, dark beer, or alcohol. The puddings used to be boiled in a pudding cloth, and that's what they see when you watch yeah, yeah. Dickens' right, the yeah. Christmas Carol, when you see them pulling it, pulling it out of the water in the cloth. But today they are usually made in basins. Many households stirred in coins, farthings, or silver charms into the pudding. If you were lucky enough to have a serving of pudding with one of these lucky charms in it, you could keep it. This practice has now ended because of the tokens, coins, are made just for this. Oh, wait, wait, I skipped a line. This practice has now ended because of the fear of alloy and choking. However, small tokens coins are made just for this use. After the pudding has been steamed, it is kept in a cool, dry place for several weeks. On the day it is to be served, it needs to be steamed for another two hours. And the puddings are usually decorated with a sprig of holly, doused in brandy, and set on fire. That's really cool. It was often bought bought or brought into a darkened room with lots of cheering and applause. Christmas pudding is eating with brandy butter, rum buttercream, or custard. Sounds delicious. It does. And while some still prefer home-cooked puddings, ready-made and cooked puddings are now available in shops and supermarkets. So, Sandra was telling me... Like, if you live in San Antonio, I think you can get a Christmas pudding at Central Market or World Market. Do we have a World Market here, Brian? We do. We do. Okay. So, and I, Sandra told me that the one at Central Market is pretty expensive and that um, the one at World Market is pretty good. World Market. I might pick one up because I need to go there for the kids' candy because they like the British Irish candy. Yes. We, actually, can we do that today? Yes. Okay. And you she can. said she oh. loves Christmas pudding. She had an Irish neighbor in Massachusetts, is M.A. Massachusetts, yeah, yeah. who made a pudding every year, and they got invited to go stir up the pudding whilst consuming vast quantities of alcohol. Really? Sounds like a fun party, Sandra. I'm, I'm thinking, um, well, it is COVID times, but I'm thinking 2021. That's right. Claremont. And then she said, five weeks later, we would all get a call to say the puddings were ready. It was great fun. So we've never done that, and then you can buy special coins now to put in the puddings. Um, yeah. Okay. That, that if you don't choke on them. Yeah. Well, I'm thinking like if everyone knows there's going to be a coin in a pudding, yeah. do you really have to? Yeah. Sandra, you can do that. I won't sue you if I choke on it. You can go ahead and make it legit. <laughs> right. I think people are too cautious. I'll sign these a days. waiver if I swallow a shilling. That's funny. Um, I I actually got a Facebook 
uh, reminder. You know, they send you back a t- anniversary of a picture you took, mm-hmm. and it was of a trifle that Sandra made. Remember oh, we went over there? Oh yeah! Oh my gosh, that trifle! That's so all my bir- delicious. My dad said all my birthdays came together at once. Oh, trifle! I love trifle. I do miss that. My sisters made that. Yeah. Have you made yeah, trifle? Yeah, I never. Would you be willing to learn? I guess Isn't I could it do just it. like Jello pudding with fruit cocktail and Cool Whip? Pretty yeah, much. Yeah. Yeah, I can, I can make that. Yeah. And custard. Well, right? there's other things too. It's. Well, I think it's like a layered. Fingers like these these, uh, uh, Jello with these. Or I say fingers. I mean. It's lady um, fingers. Is there are they Italian lady fingers? Some maybe, but like they, in, with tiramisu. Yeah, and then and then there's um. Fruit cocktail, I think would be called. That's mm-hmm. also in the Jello, and then custard, yeah. and then. It would be cream, and yeah. then you sprinkle it, and I—I I mean, I mean, it's e- it's a every component is easy to make. You just like layer it together. Yeah. Right. I've yeah. never made one. Okay. Did you ever watch Friends? No. Okay, so in Friends, Jennifer. Yeah. Aniston, Rachel. Yeah. She played Rachel. Um, she is making a trifle for Christmas. And so she's known for not being able to cook at all. Yeah. So anyway, she's making the trifle and she's spending all this time making it, right? And, um, but what she does is she skips a page in the recipe book. Yeah. So that part of the trifle is actually trifle, but then it switches into this other recipe with like peas and potatoes. And she doesn't notice how weird it is. That, uh, what are you what are you doing? My husband has like walked no. off during the there's podcast. A, there's a sign that I'm gonna put that. Oh, okay. Door. He's putting a sign out so the kids don't. I'm sorry, I should have done this earlier. Burst in on us. No, Can you move the candle over so it doesn't set that on fire? Okay, sure. Sorry. Thank okay. you. Okay. Do you remember? Did you ever see that no. scene? No. So anyway, her trifle was a complete fail. Yeah. Because it was like half. Yeah. Trifle. Yeah. It had like a couple of the components. Got it. And then it switched into like. Well, trifles. And how would she, why did they, she, that even come up in the show? Was there an English person in the show? I don't know. Because that's not a thing you do here, trifle. No, I, she must have been making it for some person or something. I have right. to watch the episode again. That'd be good. But anyway, it's funny. I had never, ever heard of trifle until I met you. Yeah. Huh? Yeah. I mean, Americans, the closest we have to trifle would be jello with fruit cocktail with yeah, cool whip on it. Pause it. Is it okay, or do you, do you have more to say? No, it's okay. Okay, while you, Brian is going to excuse himself for a second, and then I'm going to share another thing that Sandra shared, because we were talking about Boxing Day a couple of weeks ago in Christmas Part 1. Um, boxing Day, here we go. The name comes from a time when the rich used to box up gifts to give to the poor. Boxing Day was traditionally a day off for servants and the day when they received a special Christmas box from their masters. The servants would also go home on Boxing Day to give Christmas boxes to their families. So, thank you, Sandra, for sharing that with us. And that's what Brian remembered it being as well, which I absolutely had no idea what Boxing Day was. Um... And I have to say, I was wrapping gifts last night. Yeah. And there's just something so satisfying about wrapping a box in beautiful paper. And it just makes everything nicer to have it wrapped. 
And then, you know, obviously you have to, you know, the wrapping paper is going to come off at some point. But yeah. I just love wrapping paper. We wrapped your paintings downstairs, and that was nice, too. Mm-hmm. It we had, wrapped. It had a nice, had a nice um, um, look to it, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was very pretty. It was very festive. Because I don't know if you guys remember in the last podcast, Brian and I had talked about going to buy more Christmas decorations for the house. And uh, so we went to Target, and Target was kind of like cleaned out pretty much. They really didn't have any garland left at all because we were hoping to get some type of garland with lights or whatever. Yeah. Um, So we were just trying to brainstorm while we were in the store to think of what to do. And then we both, almost at the same time, thought, well, why don't we just get wrapping paper and then we can wrap up you know, some of our windows and make it look like presents. So we wrapped two of our bla- our back doors, the glass doors, and put big bows on them. And then we wrapped two of my large paintings. And uh, it just really added a nice touch to the living room and made it a lot more festive. So I thought it was pretty yeah, cool. It was cool, yeah. Yeah. So I think I've thanked. So now I think we have like five or six listeners now. To our podcast. And, so we thank and, you and all our, for our, listening. Our, our one Australian listener. Who is? They don't exist yet, but I'm thinking one day they oh, would. Oh, okay. We just, we just <laughs> randomly like, pick the listener. It's like is. the prosperity gospel. You just you name it and claim it. Oh, okay. That one day the Australian listener will, will, okay. will appear. Yes. Okay. Is there anything else we want to... Do you want to check in about your week? Um, not really. Not really. I mean, I, yeah, I, I, I guess I could. Um, it was good. Um, it was just, uh, yeah, dealing with some frustration, trying to work through that. Um, even this morning I had to get up and write because I was still struggling with mm-hmm. some stuff. And, and um, yeah, part of it is just figuring out what's, you know... You, 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 you're part of a system when you work. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of different moving parts. So it's figuring out what parts are frustrating me. Oh, we have a call. Should I take Jackie's calling right now? This is one of our listeners. Yeah. We're taking our first live Hello, call on Jackie, the show here. you are live on the air with the See Where It Goes podcast. Okay. There you go. Hello. I can hear you. We're recording right now. What's up? Should I put you on speakerphone? She has to tell us about our week, how her week was. No, she says not to put her on speakerphone. Oh, no? Did you want me to call you back later, or what, what would you like to... Yeah? Oh, okay. Okay, she's too nervous. Do you have anything to, to share with our listeners today? Carpe diem. Seize the day. Okay, I'll call you back later. Okay, love you too. Bye-bye. Okay. What you do next time is you don't tell her she's on the on on the air. You're on That's the right. air. On the air. Like uh, Dr. Ruth used to say. So you're part of a system, and the frustration is what parts of the system are frustrating me, including myself. Mm-hmm. And you're the biggest part of the system because you're you. Yeah. So you, I was trying to approach it with um, is my frustration that I'm too timid to step into these spaces that I know I need to step into. Yeah. So trying to work through all of that of what's what's the frustrating what's irritating me and it's mm-hmm. ne- it's not easy and I didn't want to spend Saturday morning thinking about it but I find that that might I might have to come to peace with the fact that I have to spend the first few hours of Saturday morning reflecting on the week 
yeah. and figuring out how I want next week to be different because you're so busy all week. Are you taking time for yourself to to to, re, to reflect on how did that week go? And really, yeah. I think doing that daily. And I've often aspired to do that. Uh, I mean, there's, there's all these spiritual practices you could do. Examine is one, but just the act of uh, our daily pages, mm-hmm. but very very active, just reflecting through writing. Writing's very yeah. it's, it's very helpful. I often say that writing is like is like uh, uh, how it's like your soul leaking onto the page you know mm-hmm. and then you and you can so you can have a lot of breakthroughs anyway without that's kind of a long spiel about my week but I'm still trying to get through figure out what were the frustrating points and then I also like to, I would also like to reflect on a lot of the great things that happened during the week and would you like to share well that? yeah oh, well, you mean no I got yeah I could yeah but then I don't want to go too long okay I think um one thing I love is people connecting, getting, being a facilitator of people connecting and just small things that were big. Like I was more intentional about turning my camera on in every meeting and the mm-hmm. environment we're in, they're not camera people, yeah. they're camera shy. But I just decided I'm going to put the camera on, put a, make the bed, put a decent shirt on. And I did. And when I did, other people responded. Well, can I comment on your decent shirt? Yeah. Okay, so I came upstairs, and I usually stay downstairs most of the day while you're yeah, working. Right. And so I came upstairs to change. I think it was after my workout. In your or three's company robe. Oh yes. Yeah. So I, <laughs> Brian is referring to a muumu that I bought at my favorite store, Goodwill. And do you guys remember Mrs. Roper from Three's Company? And she would wear those uh, real shiny, gaudy. Yeah. Moo-moos. And so this is a totally Mrs. Roper gaudy thing that I wear sometimes. And uh, the reason the reason why I like to wear it is because I don't I don't have to wear underclothes with it. TMI. So, <laughs> when I go work out, and I because I work out an infrared yeah. sauna. So when I get back home, I'm so hot. My body takes like an hour or so to cool down. And I don't want to put anything on until my body has gone back to its normal temperature. So if I put that muumuu on, because it's so huge, I can just do whatever. And then once my body gets back to its normal temperature, because I'm still sweating, then I can actually put my real clothes on. But it's, uh, it's not an attractive look, but. So connect that to my shirt. Which your you were shirt. Go? So I came up here to get dressed, right? Yeah. And I look out at you, and you're sitting in the chair with your zebra shirt on, right, right. which is one of your nice shirts. And then he's got shorts on. Yeah. His running shorts, and he's having this very serious conversation. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, it's funny. Yeah, and so it was very funny to see you in That's, your yeah, half. My half shirt. Yeah. In your top half looks nice, and your bottom half you have on your shorts. So that was one of the meetings where I turned the camera on. Mm-hmm. Then the other people did, and t- one of the persons said to the other, "Oh, it's nice to meet you finally." They yeah. they've worked together side by side for three months. Wow! And never seen each other. Wow! And then we got to meet his daughter. She came by. She was doing cartwheels. She she yeah. sat in his lap, and we all said hi. And then yesterday, when and a few times this week, did it again. Turned the camera on, and um, and everyone else did it. And every everyone and one person was struggling, but you could tell that. 
she was the only one of the eight that didn't so she really wanted to make it happen yeah but it changed the entire dynamics of the meeting and mm-hmm. two people commented after let's always have our cameras on yeah because you, you could feel the bonding happening so I, I you know again that's a small thing I feel compared to the stuff we need to overcome yeah but maybe it's the most important thing Mm-hmm. So sometimes like connection it, yeah maybe sometimes I often think well it's small and it's easy so it's not really important maybe that maybe those things are the things we need to focus on like that's a small act is to get our cameras yeah. on well it's harder I think to be judgmental yeah. or mean well, also, or stuff yeah. like that when you actually see a human being well also like if someone starts talking and it looks like a silent movie you can tell them hey you're on mute you wouldn't know that if you don't have the camera on right right. if you have a question you put your hand up or you just lean in and you make a motion as if you want to talk next right right so it does um, especially in these remote days so that was good that was just the one thing that stood out okay I've talked enough now about my week okay how, was your, how about you I had I believe I had a really good week I worked out every day and I've been going to this new gym where you work out in an infrared sauna and I freaking love it. And it's a dry heat. It's like 130 degrees in the room and you can do various types of workouts or you can do your own workout in the room, whatever, whatever you want. Um, and then what else did I do this week? Just the normal, like, you know, housewife things like shopping, cooking, um, and I kind of feel like I didn't do anything, but I know I did a lot because I was super busy. Do you remember what I did? No. Oh, I wrote Christmas cards. Yes. I wrote lots of Christmas cards to all my beauty counter customers and my art customers and then just personal Christmas cards. So that took a bit to do that. And then, um, hmm, errands. Had to run some errands. Gosh, I feel like I was much busier. I'm just having like a blank on what yeah. I did. Uh, yeah. But it was a good week though. Yeah. I don't feel like we talked a lot during the week. No, we didn't. I think you were busy a couple, several nights. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think you were. I went to a pub and sat at the bar. Yeah. Probably shouldn't have. I mean, I wasn't near anyone, but <clears throat> hadn't been in there since February. Mm-hmm. He was an Irish pub. Oh, 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 yeah. And I talked to my mom too. Yeah. So in the past couple of podcasts, we we're talking about Christmas. Um, there were things that I couldn't remember from my mother. And how we did Christmas. And so I spoke with her the other day. Yeah. And she was able to shed some light on things. And so when we moved from, when I was little, we moved from Angleton, Texas to Silsby, Texas. I was actually three years old. And I thought I was like five, but I was three. It was December 20th when we moved into the old house in Silsby. And so my mom told my dad she's like we don't have anything for christmas and he told her he said go down to western auto which was an auto store and i guess for some reason they gave they hand they gave out lines of credit or whatever and he said you can take you know get a, an account or whatever and then you can buy gifts on that um so that's how she bought us christmas gifts that year did you, did so, you say it was an auto store 
Yeah, it used to be a complete automotive store, but maybe they sold more than automotives, but she was able to open an account there. Yeah. And then oh, and, use and, and, credit. credit. Oh, he, I was, and he was okay credit. with that. Yeah, because he oh, wow. never... He never held credit cards. Like my dad, right. they never held yeah. debt. Smell? Not smell. Uh, wise? Yes. Smart. Yeah. Smell. You're having what, an what, old... What word was I going for that? Smart. Well. <laughs> swell. Well, I, it's just funny that I'd say smell. Anyway. Uh, but anyway, so... Because my dad's not a complete ogre. And so that's the year I got the Rub-A-Dub Dolly and the kitchen set. And then my mother remembered that my sister Shelly had gotten a cradle, which stayed in the family for a long time, that when my nephew Zachary, who's my little sister's son, who's, I think he's 21 now or something, but anyway, no, he's, he's maybe 20. But anyway, when Zachary was little, it was big enough for him to crawl in and sleep in, even oh. though his feet were hanging over the end. That's funny. Um, so, yeah, I always thought I was like four or five, but I was three. Yeah. Which is kind of makes sense that my memory was so vague. Um, and then we talked about other Christmases because remember, I'd, I didn't remember whether we had a real tree or a fake tree. I kind of remembered maybe having both, which was accurate because she, we had, my mom had a really close friend named Gail. And so. My mom and Gail would go out into the woods and they would cut down trees for themselves. And uh, so they, mom said that she did that for a few years and then she ended up buying an artificial tree. And um, so, and I had no clue about them doing that. Yeah. And then the other thing she said was that um, we did help decorate sometimes when we were little, but then she said then we became... Like we weren't interested anymore. Um, and then she shared too about the uh, money. Because when I mentioned the $100 a piece, because remember you said that was a lot of money. She said that too. She goes, I don't think it would have been. Yeah. She goes, that would have been a lot of money. Yeah. So she said it was probably, you know, 100 for. For the whole lot. For everybody. Yeah. Um, and so. Do you want to hear any more? There are a few more things she remembered. Sure, yeah. Um, it was another Christmas, and I kind of remember this one where she wanted to make, she suggested we all have T-bone steaks on Christmas Day. Yeah. Because we would usually do the traditional menu, which I do remember that. Um, but I do prefer T-bone steaks. So she thought that was, a, that was one of her favorite Christmases, was having T-bone steaks. And then another Christmas, she said it was super, super cold was ice on the roads and there was a a uh, like a candy called divinity that she wanted to make so she called a lady in our church named sister Minnelly and uh, she said Minnelly stayed on the phone with her the whole time and she made divinity and I do remember that having divinity because that's something that we didn't make Every year. That was the only year that we ever made it. It was um, called Divinity. Divinity. It's hmm. like a white, kind of a white powdery nougat candy. Oh, yeah. Um, has pecans in it, I think. Um, but yeah, so it was nice to talk to my mom. And and actually, I want to ask her some more stuff because that was, uh, yeah, I had no idea. A lot of things that I don't remember from my childhood. So 
But it's good. Cool. Yeah. Um, it's going to be a different type of Christmas for many people. Yeah, it is going to be very different. Very difficult, I think, for some. Yeah. It'll be a. It's interesting. It'll be a lonely. Um, I think it'll be quite a lonely Christmas. I. The reason I say that is because I. Um, one of the things that we did last night was a FaceTime Facebook Live. Mm-hmm. I hadn't played in a while, so we did that, and then it was really nice to. Even though you're kind, I mean, you're. I'm the one singing. People are seeing me, and they're they're connecting in, and mm-hmm. and then they re- people reached out and. Like you know, you there is this connection, right? That happens, yeah. um, but it's not enough, you know. Yeah. It's it's it kind of itches a bit the scratch, but I mean it's not. It just reminds you of how, I mean, important the people are who dial in, who you know over the years. So because in one space, all these people came in, right, mm-hmm. to the virtual room, and um, you know you kind of greet them and say hi and tell a story about who they are and how you know them, but they don't know each other, but. Um, it was just really nice to see, to know mm-hmm. that in that moment in time, people are seeing you, but you're not seeing them. Yeah. So that, that's part of the hard part is that it would be so nice if it was a real, if the people physically came into our house and you could see them and give right. them a hug and, and knowing that you can't makes it kind of difficult. So that was nice. So, and I say that to say this, like maybe last night we would have had a Christmas party or gone somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Where you meet people in person, but last night was it was oh, it was Christmas party. Yeah, so last night was a reminder that um, it, it will be a different Christmas. Yeah, I mean, and and as much I enjoyed that. I mean, and I think good things have come out of this difficult year, which is I connect. I've connected more, and other other people have to Zoom. We're more open to doing that. Yeah, and we may not have done that, so that's been a good thing. But it was just a reminder of um, that I think it's the song. You know the song. It's gonna be a cold and lonely Christmas without you. It was, a, I guess you wouldn't, because it was Dana, the Irish woman, who sang that. But I'm just thinking that's for many people. It's gonna be like that. Now, did yeah. you want to steer off that into the Christmas parties? Well, no, I, I do want to say something about a Christmas party, but then I wanted to say that for some people, I think it's gonna be a relief. They're actually gonna welcome not having to travel. Yeah. They're gonna welcome not having to see their in-laws or their parents or their kids even, because you have to think that for some people. Family is a stressor. It's actually, they don't right. want to see them. Yeah. So, and for some people, they have so many obligations that they are guilted into that you have to see this person or you have to see uh, that person. Right. Yeah, yeah. And so I think some people will feel like it's nice just to be able to be at home. and. Like you can play the COVID card and it's an absolutely legitimate card. Right. In the, in the sense, you don't even use that term. When we think of playing that card, it's like, oh, you're using it as an excuse. But this is, you're not really, this is legitimate, good reason not to have anyone right. around. Right. Because it's how bad it can it can be. Or, or not, even if it's not you and you're healthy, you can pass it on to someone. Anyway, oh, yeah, right. I, think you, I think you make a good point. Well, yeah, I mean, some people are going to be devastated. It's going to be really hard because some people have incredible family celebrations. Sure. And um, love seeing their family. Yeah. And so I think it is going to be devastating for a lot of people. And, um, but for others, I think it's going to be a welcome. Maybe. A welcome uh, respite from stressful holidays. Yeah. I often said that, you know, we think of loneliness. We think that's a hard thing. When you think of solitude, you think it might be a good thing. I think a solitude can be the 
ability to be with yourself and find joy in that. Mm-hmm. Whereas with loneliness, we focus more on the fact that we're so absent from people and the yeah. pain of that. But I think when I've gone on retreats, it take I do go through a loneliness, but if I can push through it, I can get yeah. into a place of solitude where there's a peace about being with yourself and, and, and talking to yourself, not like mm-hmm. a mad person, but, but how often do we spend time and actually have a chat with ourselves? Right, because there's a lot to be learned but usually about yourself. the difference there is you choose to do that path, whereas, yeah. whereas this path has been chosen for us. Right. And so that's not as fun because it's like, but I wonder if there is a chance for folks who are maybe struggling with that. Maybe, um, like as I mentioned, Facebook can be great, but also it can be, hey. I hate Facebook. I'm just saying it can be like, hey, other people are having a, hard t- a great time out there and I'm alone here. Yeah. And I'm missing out. Like, you know, one night I had that where I'm checking Facebook and I was on my own. It's like, oh, this stinks. And then I shut it off. And I, I ended up just having alone time. I wrote a letter to my brother and ended mm-hmm. up being great. But yeah, maybe if we use the time to, to step away, either either be in a place of solitude and enjoy it or just reach out to one person. How often do we just call each other now? It's like we need permission. We need to text and arrange a call. We used to, we used to just knock on each other's doors or ring, ring the phone. Mm-hmm. I feel like we're not allowed to do that anymore. Yeah, a lot of people don't want a phone call. Like, they do not want to be called. Like, it it needs to be texted only. Yeah. You know? And I'm not saying that I'm always up for a phone no, call I, I'm either, the same. But, but a lot of people are just like, please text me. If it can be texted, text me. Yeah. Otherwise, don't waste your time. What, what are we so busy doing that we can't take a call? That's a question no, to myself because I'm one of those people that's like, oh, I'm busy. Oh, I don't know well, I think it. having a phone call requires more. E- well, number one, it requires more effort. It requires more vulnerability, more transparency because when you're texting, like you can take as many minutes as possible to compose your text and think of exactly the right words you want to say. Um, so that tells me it's about the message you're trying to send, not the connection you're trying to make. Right. That the focus is there. Well, I mean, I think just for some people, communicating face to face or through talking, yeah, over the phone, it's maybe it's just harder. It is harder, but also like with the, when when you make a phone call to someone, do you have any angst around that? Do I have any? Angst? Sometimes it depends on who I'm calling. Sometimes I do. Sometimes do you feel like I don't. What's going on if you if you have angst? Well, I'll have angst if I'm calling someone, like if it's like business related or something like that. If, you know, if I'm looking to make some kind of connection or. But that aside, just a friendship or just a friend, someone you know. Well, if it's just, it depends on who the friend is and what I'm calling to talk about. Because I'll often wonder, like, um, am I being a pest? Did, I don't I, ever think that. Yeah, yeah. I don't ever think I'm being a pest because. Yeah. None of my friends have ever made me feel like I'm a pest. Well, because number one, I'm not a pest. I don't really bug people. Yeah, yeah, I guess I don't but, Um, I think it would just depend on what the conversation is that I'm wanting to have. If it's, yeah. But sometimes yeah. I do feel. There was a world once where your phone rings and you don't have voicemail. And it will just keep ringing. And you don't even have and caller you, ID. You don't or know anything. who's calling you. You just got to pick it up and wonder. Yeah. I wonder. Um, I I just wonder if that if we've lost something from that. We, I'm sure we have. You know. But um, I mean, it's easy to evade. We've humans have always been able to evade complete honest communication 
regardless of the mode that it's in. You know what I mean? Like we're, I think there's something within us that if we don't want to completely engage, then we don't. It doesn't matter what the mode is. If we're yeah. talking on the phone or in person yeah, or through text, if there's some kind of fear around that engagement, then we will, Yeah, we know how to get out of it. Yeah. So. What? Oh, nothing. You're oh, just yeah. like you're looking at me like you're not really into the conversation too much. Oh like no. You're bored. Well, no. I was just wondering. We keep. I was looking at you like, are you gonna steer somewhere else, or what do we do? Oh, now? okay. Well, do you want to talk about what we were talking about this morning? We could, but it's uh, forty minutes in. Oh wow, we're forty minutes in. So okay. We, we could just we could just talk about it. And steer and either just make it a long episode or, or split it. Okay. You release a bonus episode. Oh, okay. We can figure that out. Let's just start talking about it and see, and see where, where the morning goes. It's 8 o'clock. Okay, so this morning Brian was going through his week and talking about some things he was thinking about and having some angst over. Yeah. And this kind of led us into a conversation. Well, he made a comment that I found very interesting that he said that he um, that he likes working with women, and that he likes having uh, he's had female bosses before. And do you currently have a female boss? Uh, I do. Yeah. Yeah. I will have two. I have a female and a male boss. Okay. But primarily female boss. So, would you like to take it from here to open the conversation on this? Yeah, um, I can't get into too much what I do for just certain reasons but um i i do have a female boss and i feel like we're just um we're on a the same wavelength when we talk Mm -hmm. i do think some of it is i work in the agile world and i think there's just certain ways we're supposed we're trained to think about things well what is the agile world for people who don't well it's just it's an approach to um delivering work delivering start it with software and it's basically saying that the old command and control mindset that comes from the factory floor which is the manager and that's that's even there here's my challenge what i'm pretty passionate about this subject so i don't know if i can distill it down but let me try okay so the idea of the craftsperson making shoes and having full control over those pair of shoes and mm-hmm. then and then selling those shoes to a neighbor and then meeting that neighbor who's seen wearing those shoes in the village and saying hey how are the shoes oh i love these shoes there was something deeply satisfying about the full autonomy you had over those shoes. Yeah. The connection you had to your customer. That industrialization, we lost it. Because mm-hmm. now we go, you make the laces, you make the uppers, you make the soles, and you'll never know who wears these shoes. So okay. although we got more efficient with our work, we've lost the sense of craftsmanship. And craftsmanship is a gender-neutral term, I think. We've lost that. And I think Agile's trying to bring that back somehow while keeping the efficiency. Now, that's okay. one probably of a hundred ways to explain it, but that's the one that makes me most passionate. And there's ways to get there. So so we're, we, it's a movement of trying to figure out how do we connect the person making, making how do we give autonomy and power to the person making doing the work? Uh-huh. How do we chunk up the work where it's done in small pieces? Mm-hmm. How do we form teams, just like the military does, where the teams work so closely they become a really strong unit? Uh-huh. And how do we release small pieces of the work to the customer to get feedback? How do we connect the, the worker with the customer? Yeah. So you're connecting. Let me 
tell you what I'm hearing you say. Yeah. About Agile. Yeah. Is that you are taking the people who create the product, yeah. which in your case is software. Yeah. Those people with the client yeah. themselves. Right. And you are helping them make a connection. Yeah. So that they can see who's creating their product and they can be a part of the process of the creation. But then the creator of the product can also see the end game yeah. and see the fulfillment of the product with the client. Yeah. And so that they both have yeah. satisfaction within this process of getting something yeah. completed that is satisfactory. More than satisfactory. And the fact the problem is on bigger companies that's really hard to do. Yeah. And I worked with a smaller company of thirty people, and the client was actually we were on the client site. Mm-hmm. So the guy making the software worked his tail off and showed it to the customer, and the customer just beamed. And then to see the developer's face was huge. Yeah. That's a that's a thirty person company with a client. Because back in the day, software would be delivered. Or like a new thing would be delivered to the client, and the client's seeing everything for the first time. Right. Yeah. <clears throat> and then they're finding out all these things they don't like about it. Right. Yeah. <clears throat> because it's their first time seeing it, whereas now you're breaking it up into bits. Yeah. These two entities are communicating on a regular basis. Yeah. So that now the client is getting exactly what they want. Yep. And how it they is. want it. And yeah. then when it's all finished, it's finished. It's that's, a done deal. Exactly. Yeah. Do you remember we did the work on the basement? Mm-hmm. Um, I was told by the, the architect to have to frequently walk down there. Now, it was yeah. easy. We lived upstairs. He said, walk down there. He says, especially when they're building the stairs because they may screw it up. Yeah. So <clears throat> the day I was down there every day and he would show me. At first, he looked like I was bothering him, the worker. Mm-hmm. But I like to come, I'm paying for it. I want to see what's going on. So I come down at five o'clock after work and I'd see what's going on. But eventually he kind of opened up and he would like proudly show me what he had worked on. Yeah. And I would like, oh, that's awesome. And then his face would grin. But the t- yeah. when, he, when he started the stairs, mm-hmm. he built the stairs, but he built them wrong. Yeah. And I stood on the bottom step and my head hit the ceiling, which is what the architect said would happen. Yeah. So I told him, hey, you got to fix it. And he looked yeah. upset because he wasted a day's work. Yeah. But if he, if I hadn't been there, he would have done that then he would have the electricians come in and drill through the wood and put their work in then they would have mm-hmm. drywalled painted and then and then he would have had to rip it all out right because there wasn't the frequent right observance so that's a big that's i think that's a great analogy for agile because what had happened in the past is the software developers would put it all together package it up often not even know if anyone's going to use that code yeah and we were saying we want frequent we want the customer or a proxy for the customer to see with frequency what's going on and give feedback yeah. Is this what you want? Are we going the right way? Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah. So that, that that's that's that's. I mean, that's in a nutshell. I guess what I would I would. Say, that's not a nutshell. It was a big nutshell about what Agile's trying to do. Okay. But the more I've studied it over the last 10, 15 years, the more passionate that I think it can not just deliver value that's that is valuable. Yeah. But actually give some dignity back to the worker to know that what they're working on is meaningful, and if it's not, we're not going to do it. Right, and you're giving them more autonomy, too. Yeah, yeah. So it's, it's fun. There's great studies out there about the modern worker. All that to say, like, Industrial Revolution, while it made things more efficient, it might have been overcorrection, and we lost the person in the in the whole thing. Yeah. And we and I think... So So we bring the factory mindset into the software world. We have, and, and Agile realized that ain't going to work. 
Yeah. We're going to have to figure it, figure it out. It's not easy, especially when you go into a bigger company who's done things a certain way. But Okay, so uh, that's a long way to do that. So my boss and I, we, we kind of, we have a lot of that background, training, experience, seeing it work. So when you're talking, you just, you just connect, right? Yeah. Um, whereas with the other, with the male, he has the same background. We connect on all that stuff. Yeah. But he's more military background, just more cut and dry. Yeah. Like, I, as you probably know, I kind of wear my feelings on my shirt sleeve. Yeah. And, and, it, and it helps me work through something, work through things. And, uh, and, I, think, and I think he could go there. There's just more of a cut and dry, um, yeah, part of that. So, so what do you appreciate about your female boss currently and one you've had in the past? How do you feel that females communicate in ways that are different than men? And how do you find that beneficial? I think in they're the more patient to listen. <clears throat> um, mm-hmm. there's, there's more patience to listen. There's, um, yeah, um, there, there's, uh, there in in meetings. There's more of a let's stop and let let is this what we want to do? Mm-hmm. I think so. Is uh, that you would say they're more reflective? Maybe I mean it's hard to like. I'm, the thing is, I've these. Here's the here's the thing. There's not the. I've seen these same qualities in a lot of men I've worked with. Right. Well, we're not saying that men don't have these qualities. Right. 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 We're just saying that you were reflecting on this. Yeah. Yeah. That there were, that you liked the process of working with women. Yeah, and we and I had said that because if we because we've not in history had that balance, I think it's hurt us. Right. And I think if we get that balance, mm-hmm. we're just going to see much of a much better workforce. Yeah, and why is that? Well, like so, Frank. So, for example, um, why? So, the I don't know if I'm answering this because part of my struggle recording this was we just were were jumped on this this morning, so we're trying to work this out now on the fly. That's okay. We're as just we, having we a conversation. Yeah, that dog better not start barking. She's going to start barking. So, so some tendencies I've seen. Okay. And again, it's, it's, I'm just going to say it at the risk of sending sexes. It's when some guys I work with, there's a mentality of, and some of it's the upbringing. I'm going to drop in there like a, like a Marine. We're going to kick the doors down. We're going to get it done. We're going to push. Yeah. And, and I just don't, and you know what? That just doesn't work. Yeah. Um, and the, what does work is somebody who comes in, like I work with this fella who w- walked in, and the first comment he made was, um, I'm here as your student. I want to learn. Mm-hmm. And he's a great facilitator about pulling the yeah. group together, calling out people who were being mm-hmm. quiet. And I, I, I found that powerful. That same guy, though, I want to comment on him, and I'm, I'm all over the place here. One thing he did that was powerful, and that is, Brene Brown has done a lot of writing. She's a, an author from Houston. She talks about the power of vul- vulnerability mm-hmm. and how it's important to lead with that to make people realize that they're not the only ones who have these insecurities, right? Yeah. Because uh, Thomas Merton said, "What's most personal can be or is most universal." Right. So the one thing we think we're <clears throat> unique on, and we think we're alone on, if, yeah. we, if we put it out there, it's like, "Hey, I." Yeah. Anyway, mm-hmm. um, this same guy stands up in a massive room, three hundred people. He had mm-hmm. just arrived talks about himself the next slide that comes up is a picture of his husband and their kids cool and um this is in the texas in the bible belt texas he shows this picture right yeah and i went up to him later i said i wanted to tell you how impactful that was to me yeah why was that go ahead i said because you came down here 
um, and um, you just you didn't know us, but you knew you were in the South. You knew you were in the Bible Belt. Yeah. And you told us that you just told us who you were. Yeah. And knowing that that may not be welcome. Right. And I said the reason that impacted me so much is because my daughter came out two years ago, and, mm-hmm. and she was really brave. Yeah. And I know it was hard for her. Yeah. I know it was really hard for her. And when you do stuff like that, it just, it just, I was excited to tell her. It just, it just, so I think when you leave it at vulnerability, in his case, a lot of courage, that was quite powerful. Now, I don't even know if I'm supposed to say that part. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. But it would, it's, but you about, appreciated, you appreciated seeing vulnerability in a man. Oh, yeah. 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 Um, and, and, but I think my do point. Do you find that. Yeah. Women show do women normally show vulnerability in the workplace more than men, do you think? Well, I don't know. Um Yeah, what was where was I going with that? So, Brené Brown as a woman is the first to start poking into the importance of that. Yeah. I don't know if women do. I wonder, I'm not a woman, but I wonder if they hold back because they think they're not supposed to. Right. Because they well, might get accused of, oh, you're being emotional. Because what right. I understand of women, that's something they get slapped with, right? Well, I've right. heard, no, I've heard that myself. Right. Well, I was, from a preacher once. Yeah. Well, I was listening to, I think it was uh, something on TikTok that was a video, or Taylor Swift, I think maybe she was talking about it. But if you're a woman and you say you're, and you're vulnerable or perceived as weakness, because sometimes yeah. vulnerability can be characterized as being weak. Sure. And so a woman, if she shows too much of herself or if anything can be perceived as weakness, that can be perceived as overreacting, being over-emotional, being on her period, yeah, being going through menopause, menopausal. Like it's all negative yeah. connotations instead of just... Like, if you look at the same thing in a man, it's like, oh, wow, he was so brave because he shared this. Now, would a woman, would she have been characterized in the same way? And I'm not talking about you. I'm just saying <clears throat> yeah, yeah, in no, general, think, yeah. in, in society. Oh, like what? <clears throat> Wait, and we were, <clears throat> before <clears throat> we forget, because we were, we were talking, too, about why aren't men allowed to show a complete human profile of emotions. Yeah, I don't I don't like a I don't woman, know. And women aren't allowed to either. Yeah. No, they're not. Like but when they, Hillary, when Hillary cried at some point that like a few years ago, um why was there an issue around that? Right. I, well, I think I know because she probably I don't know if she probably wasn't comfortable with that. But like I why would George that be Bush a cried? My gosh, Barack and Obama I think cried. Everybody like everybody thought it was amazing. Yeah. When did he cry? I don't remember. Didn't he cry 9-11? Something he Oh, was... I'm sure he did. But how could you... Well, Dan Rather broke down on... And that was... To me, that was beautiful. Like, you know, they were yeah. like... When he broke down... <clears throat> and maybe we're going off. But anyway. They cut to the ads. It's like, don't cut to the ads. Why can't we... Let's. We were all in grief, and here's our anchorman yeah. breaking down. Let's let let's 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 go with this. Why are we right. break like this? Is something to be ashamed? That's what bothered me. It's like we're gonna go to a break. Dan Rather's breaking down. I mean, right. I, I understand that Letterman's intention was probably good, but it's like let him work through that and let's hear what he has to say because we all needed to break down, maybe. Yeah. And I think that's the power of the vulnerability. Like like he was doing like when Obama was crying at at the Sandy uh, Hook 
thing. It's mm-hmm. like, like like they were our tears, right? Yeah. Now that's an extreme case. I understand that that uh, where we would understand that more because it was so shocking. But it's like, uh, uh, well, oh, Hillary got emotional when they said, "Is this hard?" Mm-hmm. And I think, and I don't remember. Maybe her struggle was, "Oh, I don't want to come across like." Uh, uh, I don't remember the context of it, but what was she crying over? Do you remember? The question was something like, "Is this hard? Is this journey? I think of being a woman in politics hard." Now I don't. Like, maybe that was it. And she said, yeah. "Yeah," and she got a bit emotional. Yeah. And I wonder if her or her critics were like, "Well, you know, Mary, you can't handle this if you're going to be emotional over." I, I don't. I don't remember. Well, but I remember being me- odd. Like, what's the big deal? Right. Well, that's the thing: is why is being emotional a bad thing for a man or a woman? No, I get it. Yeah, well... I mean, me, there's being, you know, drama queen. That could well, be me, a bad let me, thing. Let me, let's think about that. So if you're emotional, does it um, affect your logic and reason in that moment? It can, but also it's a natural thing. It is, yeah. To be emotional. Like, and, and a women, they don't like to be... They don't, you know, like, they don't want someone to say, like, oh, you must be on your period or whatever. Yeah. But the reality is is that women do have a lot of hormones raging in their bodies well surely surely we do too right well men do too but the thing is is that a woman is going to get emotional sometimes because of her hormones yeah yeah that's not a bad thing it just happens to us We, we have no control over it whatsoever yeah nothing you can do about it yeah but the thing is that you don't want to be characterized Always no, in a yeah, negative I, that would be that would be annoying. Like because you have <coughs> because you have irrational emotions sometimes, <coughs> you know. Sorry. <coughs> but what I wanted to get back to yeah. to really hone in on this thing that we were discussing is the strength or the man. Yeah. And how a man communicates as opposed to how a woman communicates. What can men learn from right. women? And how to communicate better in the workplace. Is there is there anything that a man can learn from a woman? What is your opinion on this? Um, so let me just think of one. So I'd, my female boss in um, a last job was a great, like she was a great coach and I was coaching at the time. And what I needed from her I didn't need her. I didn't need her to tell me how to do the job. I knew how to do the job. I needed her to listen, mm-hmm. because part of my struggle as a coach was with my own head. Yeah. So I knew that what I had to engage with, but there were insecurities about in myself that I needed to just a, a place to talk through those. Yeah. And she would just listen, and not try to fix the problem. She mm-hmm. would listen and um, be able to just we and we'd walk out and say we figured it out and it was yeah. and she was a great sounding board I mean she really felt like a sister to be honest yeah in that in that way and um, and also like a, another uh, peer of mine was the same way just a great listener now was that because they were great was, ad- that a fe- was she a yeah. female too okay is it because they were great agilists or because they were women well right. we don't know it could be it's a blend of both right but I think what they both had was and I do think okay so I do think this is difference in the sexes okay I think we 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 try to we men try to fix things. Mm-hmm. The problem comes to us, and immediately we're thinking, "I gotta fix it." Yeah. And I've heard this before. Now, I don't. Know if, I don't know if I trust the circles I heard it in, but um, whereas I think women are so when a woman sometimes I've heard comes to a man, she doesn't want him to fix her problems. She just wants someone. She wants him to listen. Mm-hmm. And sometimes just speaking it 
it's called someone called it rubber ducking just speaking to the rubber duck in the bathtub you resolve the problem because you're speaking it yeah and i think women have figured out whether intuitively or on purpose that just speaking it to someone who's listening and asking questions you can resolve the problem and i've heard that men are not as quick to to realize that and the frustration in marriage sometimes is i don't want you to fix it i want you to listen but mm-hmm. we get into Mr. Fix-It mode. Yeah. And I think the male... So the male boss could learn that when someone comes to you with a problem, you don't have to put your cape on. You have to just listen. Yeah. And you could learn the skill of powerful questions. Right. Par- Explain what are powerful questions. It's, it's an open-ended question. So um, a, 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 a non-powerful question would be, hey, I'm, you, you come to me and you're frustrated with your boss. And I say, do you think he's an ass? That's, a, mm-hmm. that's not a powerful question because that's a yes or no. It's a question yeah. that doesn't allow the person to go with a yes or no yeah or doesn't lead them somewhere so a powerful question would be what experiment could you try mm-hmm. or how did that make you feel mm-hmm. but it's a question that opens up op- that allows the person to open up um um some um i lost the word but as you, you could google it powerful questions there actually mm-hmm. is like i've done this exercise where you sit with someone Mm-hmm. and on a chart behind their head is powerful questions yeah and they bring a problem to you and they pause and you could pick any question off that list yeah and it'll feel natural to them and they'll they'll keep going here i'm gonna look them up here yeah there's really good i can it's worth memorizing and i never memorize them but one is like what experiment could we try or where do we go from here or what are we not seeing yeah or yeah like like um so anyway, as a as a coach, I found that what gets me in trouble is when I don't when I ask questions, but they're mm-hmm. not powerful questions. So what happens is I have an agenda. I know how to fix your problem because I've seen it before elsewhere, yeah. and I'm sure it's going to fix your problem. Which is first of all suicide right there. Don't ever assume that something that worked in company A is going to work with you. Yeah. So this person has an issue, and I think and and I ask a question, but it's a manipulative question to lead them to where I want them to go. Right. Right. So so there is an art to it, but anyway. Um, I think, um, from my experience working with women, I think they intuitively understand powerful questions better. Okay. And they don't jump into the Mister Fix It role mm-hmm. right away. They yeah. they they tend to listen more. So anyway, okay. Are we? I feel like twice now I've squirreled off in the wrong direction. Are we? Are we getting closer to where we you want to or where you were thinking? Well, no. I did want to talk about what we're. Would that and yeah. then we and then we were we had been talking about why men uh some men not all men because there's different there's all different kinds of men just like there are all different kinds of women right yeah we're all not cut from the same exact mold and there are some women obviously who are terrible communicators yeah and some men who are awesome communicators. So yeah. we can't, we're not trying to paint everyone. We're not, because I've had, some, I've had some female bosses who were completely command and control. Right. We're just talking about that there are some strengths potentially that can be learned. Yeah. Um, then we were discussing about men and what do we think happened in the evolution of men? Oh, yeah, yeah. That caused them. Oh, that's a good place Some to go. Some of them to not have emotions or be allowed to cry or be sad. Like, where do you think men got this, like, command and control, bust down the wall, let's go, Yeah. you know. I mean, yeah. It's, the well, macho persona. Well, do you want to, why don't you, because you were, you, why don't you answer that? Okay, well, 
obviously, you know, I'm not an anthropologist or a scientist or whatever, but we were talking about, like, sometimes I feel like men aren't allowed to be complete humans, just like women aren't. Yeah. Women aren't allowed to be irrational and be on their period and be, you know, overreact. Like, we're just not allowed to be our complete person. I think men, too. I don't believe they are allowed either. And <clears throat> and I think this comes from, you know, a lot of people don't believe in evolution, but some people do, where when men were evolving and the human race is evolving, being a human on this planet is a very scary situation. Yeah. You have to procure food. You have to make shelter. You have to protect yourself. Like they were terrible big beasts that were alive you know like the saber-toothed tiger yeah lions tigers like wherever you live on the planet there was something that potentially could come take you out yeah and if you were a native american you had to forage for your own food build your own shelter kill buffalo potentially have wars against other tribes and then when you have the colonists the europeans coming over here you have to fight against them so what i was thinking is that because the world is so brutal and someone had to take on this role of protection you cannot they tried to get rid of all weakness in the man and say you can't be afraid you cannot be weak you have to mask all of that because you have to go out and do these really hard things and you know if you're scared we're never going to have anything to eat like you have to learn how to hunt and all this stuff so we were discussing this but i think now it has you know like little boys are always told not to cry that's the worst thing you can do that's terrible terrible yeah I think a lot of these. I think a lot of these dictators. Tough it up. Yeah, if a lot of these dictators had cried, because I think before you get to anger, you 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 if you bypass crying, yeah, you go straight to anger and you never get through it. I think if Hitler cried more, yeah, we might have had a different outcome. That's probably the extreme. Yeah, I don't know anything about. I'm just saying a lot of these brutal people. Like if they had cried over their injuries, and got killed anyway. But I think that like. Well, you were raised, I think, in a unique... Your father, he was... I think your mother was the... Who would you say in your family was the, your primary influence? Your mother or My your father? My mom until I was six, 15, 16, yeah. And I think that shows in who you are as a man. Yeah. Because I think that your mother... Like, she talked to you. She spent time with you. Yeah. It, from the way I view you as a person, that she valued your entire personhood. Yeah. Like your entire humanity. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, you had OCD as a child. You still have it today. But another parent back then, especially when, like, people didn't know that much about mental health or whatever. Like, if you put a different parent in her slot... They could have been like, what's wrong with you? Yeah. Toughen up. Suck it up. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it's all about, you know, because there's a whole conversation about nature versus nurture. Right. But I think your mother, 
I think she, it seems like she gave you space. Yeah. To be a complete person. And she didn't put on you this thing about boys have to be tough. Boys aren't allowed to cry. Boys don't do this. Boys don't do that. Yeah. Is that correct? Is that accurate, do you think? I think it, I think it would be, yeah. Um, you know, I was just thinking about, we were at this men's prayer breakfast thing. Mm-hmm. And, um, <clears throat> you know, um, there was this mantra going around, part of that men's ministry, takes a man yeah. to raise a man, right? That's gross. Well, I repeated that at the table. There was a guy there, heavily tattooed guy, just come out of prison. And uh, he was raised by his mom. Yeah. His dad disappeared. Yeah. And we then the conversation started getting to women and mothers, good mothers. And he made the comment, yeah, it takes a man to raise a man. He goes, she raised me, you know. And I, I hate that I said that. And I hate that I was part. Can you close the door, please? Well, I think that... It does take a man to raise a man. I think there are certain things that men can teach their kids that are different from what a woman can teach. Oh, somebody, can I finish that yeah, talk? Go ahead. I just hated that I said that because I was yeah. basically saying you're not a real man. And right. I, like, who am I to say that? Right. And because what is that? Let's think, let's unpack that. Yeah. What is a real man? Yeah. Like, there is a whole. Did we lose it? Like there's a whole, uh, in the American lore of what it is to be a man. Yeah. You have to be tough. Yeah. You can't cry. Can't show emotion. You got to be brave enough to go to war. Yeah. Hunting. I mean, not all men are like this. You have to be into sports. But there is kind of the typical, like quintessential man. Yeah. That kind of gets... Held up in society as like yeah, and it is lore, right? So lore, lore, L-O-R-E, L-O-R-E, yeah, 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 yeah. like. Yeah. But is that the only way? I mean, there's more than one way to be a well, man. Well, like in his case, like, there what was is no, manliness? there was no option. Here's me saying, "Takes a man to raise a man," because because it's a, I mean, it's in my cult mantra that I adopted from that place. And what would what were you thinking when you said that quote? It takes a man to raise a man. What is a man? What what well, is that? What was quote I thinking? Mean? It's um, oh, you know. Um, what was I thinking at the time? I don't. I don't know. I was thinking that there's certain qualities a man imparts to his son, which I do think. Okay, I think that's true. But I'm just saying, like in that case, he did not have a choice. His dad took off when he was a baby. His mom raised him. I'm right. sure and he was you a great guy. Do you guy. think a woman can raise a man? Yeah, I think she can. I mean, I do think that. No, I'm not. I'm not devaluing the 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 the. Oh, I know that. I'm just asking yeah. you that question. Yeah, yeah. Well, to, I think so. For, like, for, that, for thinking yeah, purposes, absolutely. to you, you elaborate can, you, on it. Of course, you can. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I mean, you have to be fair and ask. Like, was there something lacking? I think, of course, there's probably if if the man if there isn't the man involved, is there something lacking? Just like the other way around, if it was just a dad. But do you think there's something lacking with you? Because I would say that you're pretty much raised by your mother. Yeah. No, I think I think so. I think if I had been pushed more to like um master sports would have been good for my uh, i'm not a sports guy i think it would have been good for my um how would i not not sports mass master something like eric erickson talks about the stages of human development and there's a certain part where you're um 
8 to 12 or 13 where it's important that you master a skill because it gives you a confidence about yourself. But I think yourself. a woman can teach well, that's true. a yeah. boy how to master right. that something. That could be guitar, yeah. It could be. Well, let I me, let me flip the... it. Do you think a man can raise a son and he'd be well balanced? A son? Yeah. A man can raise a son? Oh, no, a daughter. Let's go to the real. Can a man yes, raise a daughter? I do. Okay. Yeah. I do. I think that I think that we have thought for many years that these stereotypes that it must be Now, I'm not saying that men and women aren't unique. I think we are unique and I think we have unique things to bring to the table. Yeah. And I don't think we're exactly alike. Oh, I did learn a good skill later. I forgot from my dad, <clears throat> my dad gardening. Yeah. Which, when I say it, it sounds odd because other father-sons had the memory of sports and hunting. But right. Dad and I, we would garden together. We would, right. When I say gardening, I don't mean, fl- I mean everything, flowers. But that was a great memory of being right. a cultivator of gardens. But like in my, even in my mind saying that, it's like, well, that's not what a boy should learn. Why not? Right. I connect through my dad to this day over gardening. Right. We love it. Like, why is that? Why do I even think that that's, that's less manly because it's not sports? Well, because I think, I think that, because I think the word, I just think that whole idea of a man has to be put away in the sense that there's not just one thing that makes you manly. Yeah. There's not these five things that make you manly. Like you said, you're, you are a man. Yeah. And that in and of itself makes you a man. Like you are right. manly. Right. A man can have emotion. A man yeah. can garden. A man can play football. Yeah. A man can raise a daughter. A man can raise a son. Just like a female can do those things too. But now here's where I think the difference is. Because we were talking about now is a man able to raise a daughter? Is a is a Mom woman able, to raise, able a son, yeah. to raise a son? Yes. They're both capable of turning out well-rounded human beings. Here is the difference, I think. Your connection. Is there something unique that I may understand with a daughter? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or something unique that you may understand with a son? Sure, sure, yeah. Like Liam. Yeah. He prefers to talk to you about things that he does not share with me. Right. And Finn prefers to share things with me that she does not share with you. Yeah. Now, it doesn't mean that, like, if I were to die tonight, you would still be able to raise our right. daughter. But notice both of those happen when they reach puberty. Right. Well, because puberty... And that happened with me, too. When I hit right. puberty, it was more alignment with Dad. Yeah. Because there is... Because part of it is just outright questions about my body's changing. And, exactly. And the other sexes exactly. don't understand it. So, like, is right. this normal? Is this I'm feeling this way? or my... Right. So, it, so that makes sense, right? So what do you what do you talk about with our sons when you're talking to them about being a man? How do oh, you oh. have this conversation with your sons or do you even use that language? No, I, I think the first I, I don't. The first all don't. I have is I, I listen. You listen, okay. Um, and I make myself available to listen. Like we have dedicated times where we go out, we, we take a drive, we get something to eat. And we, it's just that dedicated time. And sometimes there's silence. And sometimes in that silence, the conversation starts. And if they have mm-hmm. something that's on their mind, they'll start to talk about it. And we'll talk. Yeah. And same with Finn, too. We'll, we do the once a month thing, too. And But sometimes just sitting together in a car driving nowhere. Yeah. Like, there's times where she, she's talked for a long space of time. Yeah. And really, you know. 
And then there's other times where they don't want to talk. But I think just so I think my role is to create create an environment and a space where they feel safe to talk about what's on their mind. Yeah. Whereas, and so I, I feel like I'm all over the place here, but part and I was in this coffee in a coffee shop, and I saw this guy two times. I saw these guys mentoring each other, uh-huh. right? And and they were it was over the Bible, and they were mentoring each other. And I I get it, but they took the the mentor took on this teaching role. And they were just talking the whole bloody time, and the the mentee was not talking. And it's like, yeah. do you have any clue what mentoring looks like? You have not asked that person a bloody question. You just keep right. content dumping on <clears> the whole <throat> right. time. And I don't think that's a good pro- approach of mentoring, and it's not a good approach of coaching. It's just, or, or, so I think, and I think, yeah. So to answer your question, uh, there's listening. Listening. So if you're finding out who they are as a human being. Yeah, because like I could teach them all these things. We found though that people are open to being taught when they're ready to have that knowledge. Yeah. You teach a class for two days, people don't give a shit because they don't have to deal with it. Then they run into a problem and then they call you and say, hey, this part about the class, I'm struggling with it now, can you tell me? Yeah. And I wonder if it's the same with life. Like when you hit the problem, then you need the teaching. So I guess I, maybe the approach is, okay, you're you're getting close to this problem or you've had this snag with your friends. Yeah. Hey, dad, have you ever had this problem? Yeah, I have. This is what I did. But if you sit them down once a week and say, now this is what you do here in this situation, they're not going to listen to that. Yeah. I, I don't know. I think sometimes I do that. Do what? Do that, like prescribing things. Yeah. But I do yeah. I do listen to yeah. I do think um, about prescriptions is prescriptions are unique to the person. Right. I think a good doctor will listen and then prescribe. Like but if you walk well, sometimes in sometimes I get like anxious and I think like, Oh my gosh, I better prescribe this because what if such and such scenario arises in their future and they no, it, oh, and then there's a place for that, right? Like you should, the right thing. like like in other words, um, you should prescribe if someone offers you drugs. This is how you deal with that, right? Like you shouldn't wait till hey Joey offered me drugs, what, and I took him. Okay, <laughs> well, yeah. too late now. So obviously there is. It's like I did want to go back a little bit to your the evolution side of it because yeah. I think you touched on something interesting there. Because I was thinking like I'm I'm trying to imagine myself that my day starts on a Saturday and I'm not podcasting I'm actually up and I'm this is pre-agriculture yeah I gotta go find something to eat the family's gonna starve but while I'm out chasing some buffalo or whatever with the lads you're back watching the kids right now I'm stressed about that too yeah okay so then we're part of a community so it's you and all your lady friends and the moms with the kids so okay there's that that helps a bit yeah but if a warring tribe hits that village I don't right. know how it all worked. Do some of the guys stay behind? But I'm stressed about are we going to starve? I'm stressed about are we going to get attacked? Right. So you can imagine how how would that change your behavior? Well, it changes your brain probably. The cortisol, oh, I'm sure the it adrenaline. Does. There's parts of your brain that were activated. And say, so, so times have changed now. There's still threats, but they're not like they were before. So if right. I travel and do it for work, I'm, I, yeah, I'm, I don't like being away, but I have more confidence because first of all, you're in a neighborhood. Yeah. We know people. You have there's a police group that we have policing. Yeah. We have a government. We've set up this thing through we the evolution food, of humankind. Stores. Yeah. So we have that. So now the threat that I'm facing um is um is very different. Right. I'm not chasing a buffalo or I'm not getting attacked by a tiger. I'm dealing with a difficult person at work or a difficult scenario that's gonna require a lot more logic and less response and a lot more thinking. And nuancing around how do I deal with this person? How do I do these these political moves to to influence this person? And it's all very different type of um, work we have to do. And what I'm 
I guess where I'm going with that is um, to, to, to deal with that kind of thing, we have to do that together as men and women. Yeah. Okay, I just had a thought. Yeah. Which means you aren't listening to that profound insight. I know. Yeah. I know. I, was I don't know listen- if it was I was listening, but it's something like yeah. that you touched on. Right. When you're, cause you're painting all this scenario, right? And then I realized that the military, the way they operate in this tough, making people tough, is because they are potentially going to encounter these types of scenarios that are frightening and dangerous. Yeah. So they are trying to create these super tough humans who are unafraid. Yeah. So they are building them up to, and, you know, police officers and things like that. Like you're, you're trying to create this toughness in them and this fear probably, or not fear, this, well, I guess you do, you have to be, what is the word I'm looking for? You have to let them realize that there is a danger and they're going to have to go face that danger. So you're trying to give them that, uh, that macho piece or whatever it is that they will go do it and they won't be afraid or they'll do it even when they're afraid. Yeah. But most men yeah. in the world, if you're not in these fields, there's no, I think they still go around trying to be all tough all the time. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Yeah. And it just seems weird to me. Like, yeah. It, well, it's not, the situation doesn't require it. Right. It's not required in every situation. Like, yeah. I don't yeah. know. It's just like a bizarre. I've never been drawn. I was never drawn to that type of man. And yeah. I know some women are. They love, you know, big hunter guys and all this type of thing. But I just never have. Yeah. But I think I like a full human being. Yeah, yeah. With... No, but you, like what? Like, and I'm talking. I'm realizing that. When, Sorry, when... I was totally rambling there. No, no, no. You weren't. I think you weren't because I think it'll get us somewhere. In the context we're talking about, you've been home, at home with the kids most of the time. Yeah. So we're not covering a, 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 a couple who's both out there working, right? Right. No, you, I mean, sorry, you are out there working. You're doing painting. I'm just, okay, forget that for now. The second part I want to say is, um, I'm talking about my line of work, which is all white collar. Yeah. If you're a fireman, though, well, you, you... you've got to have a brain wired to right. I'm going to go in and literally have to pull people out of this building because it's burning exactly. if you're a policeman you, your brain has to kind of be wired in a different way because the threat is real like I'm, right. the odds of me getting shot at are pretty slim the odds of right. a cop are highly likely Yeah. if you're a military person so it is contextual to right. to the environment you know yeah, but, but all, it but, seems but, like it has permeated over a lot of men. Yeah. It seems like it's kind of dissipating a little bit. Yeah. Where you're getting more men who aren't, who are fuller human beings. Like yeah. that they have, like they're able to express right. the range of their emotions. And then yeah. you do, you do have, I want to acknowledge all the very manly mans out there who also have feelings and emotions. Like your boyfriend. One of my Joe Rogan, your boyfriend. Joe Rogan. He's not my boyfriend, but yeah. I love Joe Rogan. Yeah. He is to me so cool because, you know, he's a fighter. Right. He's a hunter. Yeah. But he, this man will cry. Yeah. Like he weeps 
when he's happy, joyful. Uh, on the air? Yeah, he loves to hug yeah. his friends. He tells his friends he loves them. No, that is great, yeah. And that, to me, that is like every man yeah. should have that freedom. Yeah. And some men, I feel like they're not allowed to have that freedom. Right. And they should have, all of us, all humans, we should have the freedom to be our complete selves. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like the guy, I, I've worked with a lot of, um, especially the last few years, military folks. Mm-hmm. Um, either active or, 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 you know, retired. And it's been interesting to, it's an interesting world to learn. Um, at one level, just working with people with PTSD is is yeah. uh, been very educational because you have to adjust a bit of your behavior, you know. Yeah. But you know, just <clears throat> anyway, that's a whole other interesting subject. Um. And um. So, but one of the friends of mine was a um. NSA guy. Mm-hmm. I think he was NSA. He had a price on his head in Iraq, right? Mm-hmm. And he was like, so he has a lot of stress around that. Yeah. But, um. A fatwa. I think it was. Uh, but like, he is not, he does not fit the mold that right. you might think, right? Right. Like, I talked to him once about there was a retrospective with his team, which is kind of a sacred zone. No one gets into mm-hmm. the retrospective. The team gets together, they work out they, what's working well, what's not working well. I asked, could we have a person sit in on that? And he walked through. The importance of that and how important that meeting was and he got teary-eyed yeah and how important that meeting was to the formation of his team so therefore no this person can't sit in yeah and it was amazing and then and other times he has said to me hey when you said this to me brian here's a story that went that went through my head yeah. is that through and i said no like i've weren't learned so much about empathy see, i love that yeah and yeah, yeah, you know, you see him in the pictures. He has—I've seen a picture of him with the uh, the helmet on and the machine gun. Yeah. And you, but your your mind that's is beautiful. your mind is is conditioned to think, well, that's two different guys. It's like, no. That's beautiful. I think men <clears throat> should be allowed, and I know a lot of men are are allowed, and they do they do express their full humanity. Yeah. But I feel bad for men who maybe their fathers or yeah. whatever have like squelched that in them yeah you know and um i think that's beautiful when you can offer all people all of us to be able to express our full range of emotions and yeah weaknesses and fears and yeah and everything and then he's still able to do that but then go kick ass in iraq yeah do you think we had touched enough on um because we started this talking about the importance of having equal sexes in, in the work in the workplace or not not just the workplace but I think anything we put our hand to as a society well we, I think there has to be that balance well I think now like I love that Obama has appointed a lot of women yeah and Do you mean um, Biden did I say Obama yeah Biden I mean um, you know because I think that that will I do think women have uh, different styles of communication. Yeah. I saw this powerful thing on TikTok. And it said if all... And I love men. I'm not a hater of men. Yeah. And... But it said, what would you do if all men were to disappear off the planet for 24 hours? Yeah. And this girl was saying, she goes, I would walk to my 
car by myself at night. I would wait until I got to my door to take my keys out. I would sleep with my windows open. I would uh, basically like a lot of the worries in the world, a lot of them are caused. Does she have anything positive to say? Like she'd miss us? No, it was all negative. Oh. But the thing is, is that, and men do a lot of amazing things, but it's also for some reason, and I don't know what it is that why men do commit most of the crimes in our world. Uh, And I don't know why. Is that because they are, do you think that could be tied to the fact that they Uh, have been, I don't know, like not allowed to be their full person or something? I don't know. I do think, um, and it's okay if we end on this because. Yeah, we need to end. Speaking of man, little man came by and I, I think he needed something, but he wouldn't tell me. When Carl's high, I said, oh, well, we're podcasting. you got to go. So hopefully. Anyway. I lost it. Oh, some of this. There's some of the terminology we need to, like, boys don't cry. That's got to go. Right. That's got to go. Because I'm thinking if they don't cry, they're going to punch. Exactly. Also, I was thinking about that term, grow a pair. Like, I hate that term. Oh, yeah. Grow a pair. And I said earlier, Rosa Parks didn't need to grow a pair. She, you know what I mean? Right. We need a new term. You were saying it's courage, but maybe like there's something crass and raw about grow up here. But it doesn't make sense. It, is, it assumes if you have more testosterone, you'll be more brave. And that's just not true. You might be more stupid. I don't know. But right. I'm just saying like that doesn't like what that just that 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 uh, ignores half the population of the world when you start talking like that. Right. It doesn't fix anything. Either. No, no. So we need a new terminology around how to have fortitude and courage and, and mm-hmm. all that stuff that comes from a like a real place that would actually yeah. not roll over anyone or, or demean anyone, but actually make a change mm-hmm. while honoring the dignity of your fellow humans. Yeah. So we'll have to work on that. I think we'll split this. Yeah, we're going to end, guys, because... Yeah, and just oh, know right. that we're not professionals. This is just a conversation. I think they figured that out. Well, I know. You guys know that. Yeah. This is just a conversation. Yeah. That you know that normally you Brian of. and I we we would have had on a date night or just hanging out outside on our in our front yard or whatever. But yeah, this is just something we were chatting about this morning. We thought we would share that we would have the complete conversation with you. So we did. All so right. have a great Saturday, great week. Bye. Thanks ha- for listening. And Merry Christmas. Merry we won't Christmas, talk you, you guys. Then. Merry Christmas. Bye bye.